Well, if you were here last week, or if you were joined us on Facebook or on the podcast, we looked at a story that we hadn't looked at in a, at least a little while. We saw that the enemies of Israel came against them, and that through the lepers who had gone down into the camp, basically out of hopelessness, they found a great miracle. And God had spoken it through the prophet Elisha. We have been talking about fasting, and though this doesn't seem to have a whole lot to do with fasting, fasting helps you curtail some things, and it's not your appetite. If you take on fasting to try and deal with weight loss issues, or to try and get your appetite under control, you will miss what fasting is about. Fasting is about getting the voice of the flesh under control, under the control of your spirit. It's not about denying your flesh. It's not about not having things. It's about your spirit taking control of your life and not your flesh. Too often, Christians go through life and their flesh controls them, but they don't know it. And so we saw in the story back in Mark chapter 9, the disciples could not cast out a demon even though they had cast out demons before. But they couldn't because of something that was on the inside of them. And Jesus said, it's doubt and unbelief. That's the reason you couldn't cast it out. He said, but this kind comes out only by prayer and fasting. If you just fast, you won't win the battle. You have to fast and pray. And we spent one week looking at the prayer that was involved with that. We'll be spending some more time on that, not today. But we will be spending some more time on that. It's fasting and prayer. You, you see, the, your flesh is tied in with your emotions. That's why we looked at what we did last week with the, uh, the king. Because the king, he was seeing all this stuff going on around. But all of a sudden, two women brought it right to his, his face. And he saw the face of the two women who had just cooked their son, or the one woman's son, yesterday and ate him. And now the other one's complaining because we want to cook the other one. And when we have stories that maybe they're going on all around us, but all of a sudden we see it, it stirs our emotions, and that's what it did with him. And it stirred his emotions, and he made an utterance with his mouth that he was going to kill Elisha, the prophet. Even though Elisha had nothing to do with it. But Elisha had been bringing the word of the Lord to him and telling him some things that this is not going to go well. This is going to happen to you. And so he blames him because he was the bearer of the news and the word from the Lord. But he wasn't the cause. When we give in to our emotions, our mouth says things that later on we probably will regret or we say things that will get us into trouble. We saw this, of course, with the, the uh, messenger that was sent to kill him and I guess there were some other people with him. And the, the one who was in the party, he said... How can this thing be, what Elisha said about food selling so cheap, how can this thing be? And so he was the only one who put, who vocalized what everybody else was probably feeling. Be careful what you vocalize. See, your emotions can get you involved and you'll say things that you shouldn't say. That's why James talked about, if you can get the tongue under control, you're doing good, you're doing a, a good thing. But only you, no one else can tame your tongue, only you can do it. That's what James is telling you. He's, t- he's not telling you that the tongue can't be tamed. He says no one outside of yourself can do it. You need your spirit to go after your flesh to bring that tongue under control. I was listening to um, listening to somebody this week. I don't know who it was. Uh, and they made a, a real interesting point about uh, Jarius. This is an old message. It's not like it's anything new. Uh, I believe the guy's dead now. <laughs> 
<laughs> but it's still good stuff. Um, he was talking about Jarius, and he was mentioning, he said, uh, he, he said it this way. He said, let me quote for you exactly what Jarius said after he got the news of his daughter. That was it. Did you get it? <laughs> he said nothing. He said nothing. And he, he went on to talk this, but I, I love this, 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 um, this uh, correlation to it. A lot of people make confessions not out of faith, but out of fear. But they look like faith. You see, because it looks like faith, I think it is. When the disciples came up to that demon-possessed boy, they said, come out in the name of Jesus. It looked like faith. But you see, that boy had carried on in such a way because of that demon spirit that it caused them to speak out of fear and not out of faith. Now, don't get on the disciples' case because you've done it too. So have I. Think of it this way. How many times have you done this you're going along. You're believing that you are healed in the name of Jesus. And then you go to the doctor for a routine checkup. And the doctor says, we found some things that are alarming. And they begin to tell you the things that are going to go on with you. How many of us come out of the doctor's office? By his stripes, I am healed. Is that a confession out of faith? That's, fear. That's a confession out of fear. You see, the only reason you said it is because of the fear that came up because of what he said. You don't always have to say something. If you were in faith for your healing and for your health before you went to the doctor's office, when you weren't going around saying, Bless God, I'm healed. Then you're just as much in faith when you get the bad report and you say nothing. Just don't change things because of fear. That's all. But you see, your emotions want to get stirred up. Your flesh wants to stir them emotions, causing a problem. You see, it's just like the wind and the waves. One's causing the other. Those emotions get stirred up. And we want to say some things. And we speak them. Don't just keep our mouth shut. Jarius, from the time he got to notice that his, his daughter died, said nothing. And a powerful miracle happened. What did Jesus tell him to do? Did he say, just have a good confession and we'll get this taken care of? He didn't say that, did he? Jesus gave him one instruction. Do not be afraid. That was it. That was all he said. See, it's his emotions heard that. If you, if you just get the news, your daughter is dead. How many know that's going to stir up your emotions? You cannot extract your emotions from your being. But you can control them. Instead of letting them control you, you can control it. Those emotions may stir up and say, emotions, I feel your, I feel your pain. I feel your anger. But I am not speaking out of you. I'm speaking out of the Word. Now this came about way, way back in the beginning. 
That t- See, you don't always know the battle that goes on in the inside of me. Because I don't show it to you. So this is what fasting has, has taught me, is how to take those emotions and don't let them be, don't let them be, um, don't let them control you. But you know, when this was all going on, back in the beginning, and I, it came up on me, I don't know if somebody said something or it just came up on the inside of me, that you know what, we ought to be on Sunday mornings, every Sunday morning just pray, praying about this thing. Now as soon as that came up to me, something else came up. Don't make this bigger than it is. So, now, I've got two voices going on the inside of me. It's through fasting and prayer, I know how to recognize the right one. That's what you listen to. There's a purpose for telling you all this, all this part of the story for what we're looking at today. We'll get to that in a minute. From the time that this thing went on, from the time this thing started, I told you in the beginning this is not a big deal. I said, this is a virus. It will kill people. Didn't downplay that. Told you it would kill people because we've had other viruses that have done it. I told you in the beginning, back January, February, whatever time it was, way before they started doing everything, that the contagious rate of this disease was down low. It's even lower than I told you it was. And I told you it was a low figure. It's even lower than that. I told you the death rate will not be as high as they said. The death rate on this has been extremely low. It was so low, they had to fabricate the numbers. And if we look at the, the case log at the end of the year, we're going to find out that the pneumonia deaths have gone way down. Flu deaths, which are thirty to 60,000 a year, will have gone way down in order to inflate these numbers to get up to something that justifies what they did. When they brought out the mask, did I not tell you? The masks are not necessary. It is a symbol of fear. It is something to put the virus in front of everyone's eyes all the time. I told you that at the beginning. And now, months later, they come out and they'll tell you, the masks are detrimental to your health. Who came out and said that? Can you believe that? They actually stumbled upon some truth. And uttered it. The reason I'm bringing that up is not to tell you, hey, I was all, all that about it and everything else. It is about fasting and prayer. Because I keep my life up in fasting and prayer, I listen to my spirit on these matters. Every time one of these matters comes up, I listen to my spirit on the matter. Before I engage my mouth. Before I speak something out. What is my spirit telling me about it? Amen. From the moment this starts, I, ha- I told you, I have a background in this stuff. I understand some, some articles that the, the general person won't understand because of some of the background I have on this. I didn't give you those information out of reading all that stuff. I gave it to you out of my spirit. My, my spirit, I said, God, is this a big deal? He said, no. Now, my God knows what a big deal is because he talks about it in Revelation. You want to see a plague, you don't got to fabricate no numbers. One-third of the world's population will die in one day. That's some, that's a plague. Go back over to Egypt when they're carting the dead bodies out. 
after the day after the plague hit. God knows what a plague is. He knows what a big deal is. Down in my spirit, it said this is not a big deal. So I did not act like it was a big deal. So I know better. But you see, the more you train your spirit, I'm sorry, the more you train yourself to respond to your spirit and not your flesh, the less you'll be moved by all this. Now, here's what fasting and prayer will do. The disciples, the problem was doubt. i got to be careful in this because I saw last week. I apologize for last week. I got done. I didn't know that, that uh, the, the wave file and all that stuff i got to do. I said, dear Lord, I went on for an hour and a half. Man. <laughs> I apologize for that. And it's not that you all won't listen that long. I, it's just, I know myself, you can only take in so much. And it, that's my fault, I shouldn't have done. I, my little internal timer must have switched off or something. But I don't want to do that again here to, I don't want to do that again today. I want to make sure we, we stay on the, on the point. But you train up your spirit on these things. And this is what it'll do for you. When something happens in your life, God will say, this is the, the big deals will happen to you. God will say, this is a big deal. Get ready for it. Give me also say, this is not a big deal. Don't worry about it. Don't, he won't say that. Don't. <laughs> it doesn't need your attention. Give, give your attention to other things. He'll tell you down in your spirit and you'll know. You'll have it, opportunities where absolutely nothing points to anything being wrong. And your spirit will say, danger. And you'll know not to do it. That's what you need to learn to respond to. And fasting and prayer will help you do this. Because it gets you to be tuned into that, into the, the spirits on the inside of you, and you listen to it. This will help you when you study the Word. How many people in the course of the last thousand years since the New Testament was started have come out with some New Testament theology that was bogus? In Paul's day, Paul wrote about people who, who had false doctrine because they were reading the Word and revelation came to them, but they didn't, didn't have the ability to discern between the Spirit of God and their flesh. So they yielded and they listened to it. Now, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands because I don't want to embarrass anybody. But if you're not listening on Wednesday nights to Ezekiel, they'll help you. Just in the last couple of weeks, some of the things we did, the the ancient hate will help you in some of the things you're facing here today. Because God hates this this stuff. And he, he he pointed it out in there. I was amazed in going through Ezekiel Ezekiel is not a book I studied a whole lot, but I took this on in college with a fine, t- I went through it every, every, every chapter, every bit of it. I mean, I went through all the history on my own. This was not for any course. This was not for any credit. This was not for any series. This was just me. I want to study Ezekiel. And as we're going through here the second time, I have been amazed. That's why I do that. I learned that from Ezekiel. I'm really going through and looking at some of this. I, I know I do that, and I know I had a good reason, but I just didn't remember why. <laughs> and there it was. Ezekiel had, had taught me that. And I had, had learned to go on through there. So I just said, thank God, after all these decades, I, I still kept it going. So, uh, you know, I've read through with Ezekiel, but I haven't taken on with this, this much. But there's a, 
there's, there's much in there that will help you just in, in line with some of these, these things. Because Ezekiel was a person, he had to learn, how to, and he did it better than any prophet I know of. He had to learn how to discern the voice of the Spirit over any other voice. And he got so good at it that God gave him words that to this day no one believes he wrote. I don't mean the world. I mean Christian people write volumes as to why Ezekiel did not write it. He is too accurate. They said no one could have prophesied this to have happened. First time we saw that was in the the prophecy about Tyre. Because a lot of the stuff he prophesied, you would not even dream up in your wildest dreams. It would happen, and he said it would happen. Because God told it to him. He's an amazing prophet. Anyway, we need to keep on going here. So we're looking here in Matthew chapter 10. I gave you this question if you were up on Facebook last night or saw it this morning. Is God into divisions? Because isn't that what Jesus says? Did he say, I came to divide? That's what he said. So if God is into divisions, here's why I put it to you, is all the division we're seeing around our country of God. So, now, how many have ever asked that question before? I know one person did. They were kind enough to share that with me. I'll have to tell you, I've looked at this before, but, um, and I thought about it. And um, as I was kind of mulling over this this week, because this is one of our readings this week. We were reading, I was reading through this, and I said, God, I need to get the answer on that. And you see, when, when down in my spirit, this is why you've got to get this, this spirit stuff down. When down in my spirit, I'm saying, I need to get the answer on that, that means there's an answer ready. So I know what my, my, my spirit is making that call or my head just wants to know. I know the difference between that. And my spirit's making the call. Ah. So from the time we read that on that day, I've been meditating on this to, uh, to bring this to you because I knew there's an answer for it. Because God wouldn't stir my spirit. My head can get stirred up, but he wouldn't stir my spirit without wanting to give me the answer to the thing. We serve a good God that way. But Jesus had just, earlier in this chapter, sent the disciples out with authority and they returned. Remember what they said when they returned? Even the demons are subject to us through your name. Now, Matthew chapter 10, verse 16, he says, Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of the wolves. They had just finished that discourse. Behold, I send you... Isn't it nice having the scriptures back up there? Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Do you know that your father, who loves you very much... You all understand that? The father loves you very much, and he is sending you, he is calling a sheep into a field with wolves. Would you send, as a parent, would you send your daughter into a place that you knew was harmful? So how is it our loving Father sends us as sheep 
into the wolves. Hmm. Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Now, he says there, be wise. The word there for, for wise, I put it in your outline for you. Phronimos. Thoughtful, discreet, implying a cautious character. The word for wise that most people are used to, and the one that's used in the Bible in the New Testament the most, is sophos. We got our word sophomore from it, which denotes practical skill, or, I'm sorry, which um, I took this from Vines. Sophos, or Sophia, is the insight into the true nature of things, the insight into the true nature of things. Pronimos is the ability to discern modes of action with a view to their results. The ability to discern modes of action with a view to their results. While Sophia is theoretical, Pronimos is practical. So there's the two differences there. Now, how many of you enjoy Rick Runner and his... Um, uh, book that he has out there on uh, on Greek words. I just just went right out of me. Um, sparkling gems. If you sparkling gems, volume one and volume two. Now I always like to take a look at what he has to say about different words, and so I looked this up and found out that in in sparkling gems volume one, that this exact same lesson is duplicated in volume two. He takes it out of Matthew ten sixteen, and it's exactly the same one. I didn't go word for word to look at the whole thing, except he changed a word between volume one and volume two. I'll have to write on because I think it's a typo. Because in volume one, he uses the word we have here for wisdom. And he begins to, uh, runs a big discourse on it. And in volume two... He changes it to sophos. I'm thinking, why would you do that? So I pulled out the Greek. I said, forget these things. I'll just go right to the source. And looked it up. And sure enough, sophos is not in the verse at all. I don't know where it got switched. So if you're going back and you check it out in, in uh, Rick Renner's thing, and if you pull up volume two, you think Pastor Steve was wrong, but I wasn't. Go to his volume one and you'll see that it's there. <laughs> so, it's a, but this is a wise. It's a thoughtful, discreet, implying a cautious character. It is the ability to discern modes of action, what to do. Not just what's going on, but what to do. That's what it's talking about. This type of wisdom is when you are in a situation, I know how to behave. I know how to speak. Have you ever been around some really smart people? who do not know how to diffuse a situation? Seems like they throw gasoline on it. They don't have this kind of wisdom. He says, be, be wise as serpents. Now, if you have a snake, I ran into a snake on a run this, this week. He came after me. I wasn't afraid. It was a little garter snake. It was only about a foot long. But he got bold. And I, 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 just, I wasn't really noticing that he was there until all of a sudden he's there in front of me. And he's kind of slithering to go away on the road. I don't know why he's on the road. Slithering to go away. And then he just suddenly got bold and curled up and then made a lunge at me. It's a garter snake. What are they going to do? 
I thought, I thought about kicking him. But I said, nah, he's just trying to protect himself. And so we just went around him. And uh, he was gone. But yeah, he showed his mouth, his fangs. He had it all out there. He thought he was tough. <laughs> I've been bitten by garter snakes before. I am not afraid. Other snakes I don't like so much. But, uh, but that one's not, not so much. But what a, what a snake does is, and Brother Rick talks about this in his, his story, he's, he's more into snakes than I am. He kept them as pets. I would not keep one as pets. He kept some nasty ones. I believe the one I talked about, a reticulated python that was so scary that his roommate moved out. Would not stay in the house when it was there. He said, I should have known it. When he got it from the pet store, and the pet store gave it to him. And I believe, if I remember right, the pet store had picked it up from somebody else, and his name was Lucifer. Should tell you something right there. <laughs> but he has more to tell about that story. I'm not gonna, he doesn't tell it, I don't think, in the, in the, uh, the, the Greek book. But uh, he talks about the, the nature of a snake. And this is the nature of a snake. The nature of a snake is when they come on in, they, they get themselves invisible. They want to not be seen. They want to take in the surroundings. They want to figure some things out without being seen. Be able to just observe. And then when a prey comes, they want to be able to discern it to prey and to be able to lunge and, and make the attack at the appropriate time. That's what he, he's, he's talking about, the wisdom. That when we get into the world, when we go out there with the wolves, we need to not always come in there and draw attention to ourselves. Sometimes we just kind of sit back, watch, see what's happening. And then we see the appropriate opportunity with wisdom. We, we take the opportunity to speak what we need to speak or say what we need to say or do what we need to do. So, wise as serpents, that's what we need to be. And not just, not just that, but therefore be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. This, this word harmless means unmixed, pure as wine, metals. Uh, basically, don't get mixed up with bad, harmful, and destructive things. Emotions like. Don't get mixed up with bad, harmful, or destructive things. That dove that is there, that dove doesn't have any, any predatorial bird in it. It doesn't go around trying to, to, to uh, take on a snake or, or you know, hunt down those kind of things. It's not an eagle that's going to pounce down on a fish and carry it on off to the nest. It's, it's, it's uh, harmless. If you see a dove, how many people get afraid? They don't get afraid. Doves are very, very docile, very peaceful little birds. They'd be harmless as, as doves. So these are the two things. When you're going out with the wolves, you need to be wise like a serpent, but harmless like a dove. Verse 17, but beware of men, for they will deliver you up to councils and scourge you in their synagogues. All right, now again, this is the father sending you out into the wolves. He says, For they will deliver you up to councils and scourge you in their synagogues. You will be brought before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. He's telling you to beware of men. Why? Because they're wolves. There's people out there that are wolves. Now, there's Christians out there. They get brought before councils. They get brought before uh, scourgings, things like that. 
Why would God allow this? They might be asking. Why didn't God protect me from this? Now, now look at this. This is, this is key to understanding this. Beware of men, for they will deliver you up to councils and scourge you, where? Whose synagogue? The men he's telling you to beware of. Right? Isn't it? Beware of men, for they, who? The men, will deliver you up to councils. Those, those men will deliver you up to governing authorities and scourge you in their synagogues. Their synagogues. That's where they have control. He's telling you religious people will come against you because you are a sheep in the kingdom of God. You see that? If we don't understand this verse, the rest of it's not going to make sense to us. You've got to understand who he's telling you to beware of. Beware of men, for they will, not might, not could be, they will deliver you up to councils and scourge you in their synagogues. You'll be brought before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them, to the Gentiles. Verse 19, but when they deliver you up, but when, again, when they deliver you up, it's going to happen. It will happen. I'm sending you out into the world. You're going to go in among the wolves. This is what they're going to do to you. When they deliver you up, do not worry about how or what you should speak. Now, you cannot apply this any place that you want. Where you apply this is where he said, when you are delivered up to courts on account of the kingdom of God, he will give you words to speak. He says, don't you fret about what you're going to say. I've heard people try and bring that verse out to all sorts of stuff. Do not worry about what you should speak, for it will be given to you in that hour what you should speak. In that hour, not the day before. <laughs> How many of you want it the day before? Yeah, that hour. So if they come to you and say, come on, it's your time. Oh, I don't know if I'm ready yet. God hasn't spoken to me. He will now. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father who speaks in you. You see, if you got it too early, you'd probably mess it up. Oh, God, I heard that. Let me tweak that a little bit because I can, I can fix that. <laughs> I can make that sound better. <laughs> I'm going to take that and make it into a list of three things. <laughs> That's what we probably would do. Now I said, I want you to speak it just like I'm delivering it. For some reason, he's got a reason to say it that way. Now, this is all about the legal system. Other scriptures will talk about mobs and beatings and such things like that. But this one's talking about the legal system there. The beatings take place inside the synagogue. Verse 21. Now a brother will deliver up brother to death and a father his child and children will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death and you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But he who endures to the end will be saved. Now, if you just take that verse by itself, you will not understand it. 
But if you take that verse in light of what he's already taught you, you'll understand it better. What he's talking about is people who on the surface seem to be in the kingdom of God. But all of a sudden you got off and instead of pursuing, in this particular case, pursuing the things of Judaism, you pursue the things of Christ. When that happens, the people that are close to you will deliver you up. Brother will turn against brother. Families will be torn apart. Because what he's saying is, this issue is so powerful that even people you grew up with, even people that know you will turn on you like that. What do you mean you serve Jesus Christ? We're Jews. We go to the synagogue. We don't believe in this Jesus. And immediately a wall is, is, is put up. And they don't like you anymore. We even know it today. The people who have uh, who've grown up in some Catholic homes and didn't serve God at all, just kind of went to church, did the things they had to do, and then they got born again. My father was a, was a victim of that. So I know it firsthand. He told us the stories. He got born again. He got saved in a Catholic home. I thought it was German Catholic all my years. My mom stretched me out when I was talking about it in church one time. She said, no, it was Irish Catholic. My dad was German, or my grandfather was German Catholic. My grandmother was Irish Catholic. Evil woman. He's so evil, my father stood between as a barrier between us and her and took a lot of abuse for it just to keep us protected from her. She was evil. You could feel the evil around her. I was little. You could feel the evil around her. He got saved, born again. They packed his, or she packed his bags and put them out on the porch. They were done. Just like that. So what he's talking about here, when you follow after the things of God, people will get mad at you. People who seem to love you will now hate you. I didn't say it. Jesus did. And children will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. Don't think the first time you saw this was in the Soviet Union, China, or Nazi Germany, where children would turn into parents for things. And we had this conversation with a couple of people. I don't think I've had it here in the, in the church. But if you want a little homework assignment, because they don't teach this in school anymore. They don't teach so much in school anymore. But one of the things that was uh, with, the, with the Nazis, anybody, uh, is this a new phrase for anybody, the Stasi? Anybody never heard of the Stasi before? All right, it's a good homework assignment for you. Go look them up. They were the most feared group in the, in the, in the Nazi Germany. They were able to, to work things to where sons and daughters would turn in their parents. Neighbors who had been very neighborly with each other would rat out the other one. All for some extra cheese or an extra ration of milk. 
or favor with the Stasi. They don't teach about what they were in school, but when you have socialistic or communistic governments, you will have Stasis. They came under other names in the Soviet Union, they came under other names in China, but they will have secret police who get informants and people in order to curry favor with these people they think are on their side, these wolves. They will turn in their neighbors, they will turn in their family. And children will raise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But he who endures to the end will be saved. You will be hated by who? All. Every time I read somebody new who gets this kick about the church being united and it's all just get along, we're all serving the same God. Every time I see somebody get on this kick, and I've seen it over the years many, many times. We all just need to be united. Why are we all in disagreement? Why do we have so many denominations? I'll tell you why we have denominations. Because the ones that started out that were on fire for God got cold. And there's a group of people inside that denomination who said, we're tired of being cold. We want to get hot again. And they broke off. I've told you these stories before. You're not going to be new to most of you. But the, um, the Methodists, when they started were the modern-day charismatics of their, of their time. They were radical, crazy. You would probably not be comfortable in a Methodist, early Methodist service. Probably not you because, hmm, what are these people doing? I'm not sure that we should be doing this in church. They were a radical bunch. But you see, over time, they got a little, a little, uh, man, a little more kosher. A little more adapted. And now you go into a Methodist church and man, we sing three songs, we hear a 20-minute message and we go home. I've been in a Methodist church. I know what they do. So there's a group of people who got tired of the coldness that they had gotten in their services and so they broke off. You know what they were called? They named themselves after the founder of the Methodist church, John Wesley. And then we had the Wesleyans. And they came out. And they were radical. And they were crazy. And they had what we would consider to be unorthodox services. <laughs> but then they got cold too. And another group came in and took their place. And it just keeps going on in church history. God always has the light. He always has the people that are on fire for Him. If you want to know why we have denominations, that's why. Folks, I am not willing to compromise on how we worship God in order to have unity. Does this, does this chapter sound like Jesus is all concerned about unity? Doesn't sound like it, does it? You're going to find out, just to go on a little bit more, you're going to find out even more, He is not about unity. He says it right here, this is Jesus talking. Remember, Jesus doesn't say anything that the Father doesn't tell Him to say. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but he who endures to the end will be saved. Now, what's this part about enduring to the end? In other words, you hang on to what God has shown you to do, even though everybody hates you, people are coming against you, beating you in their synagogues, dragging you before courts, but you won't change. Want me to give you a name for this? Paul. Paul was dragged before courts. You will stop preaching in the name of Jesus. Uh, no. Not going to do it. 
Peter and John, drag before court. You will stop preaching in the name of Jesus. Uh, you think we ought to obey you or God? And we're going to obey God. See ya. How many times did they beat Paul in the synagogues? Or the synagogue leaders beating, beating up Paul? Stop this. Nope. He says, I count myself, I'm, I'm glad that I was counted worthy to be beaten for the kingdom of God. He keeps going on. Tough to deal with a guy like that. He who endures to the end will be saved. Don't compromise. Don't give in to what the world wants you to believe or what the world wants you to feel or the emotions the world wants you to have or the anger the world wants you to adopt. Stay on God's side. When they persecute you. Again, when they persecute. Not if. When they persecute you in this city. What's he say? I looked that word up. You know what it means? It means run. <laughs> Get out. Now, how many of you think, no, no, you should stay there and take it? What did Paul do when they, when they persecuted him in one city? What did he do? He went to the next city. And when they persecution followed him there, what did he do? He moved to the next city. When Jesus was in the city and they persecuted him, what did he do? He went on to the next city. <laughs> He's not telling you to stay there with people who hate you and just want to beat you up and get till you change. He said, they won't accept it. Go on to the next one. You were there. You gave them an opportunity. They refused it. So go on. Well, maybe that might help somebody. <laughs> when they persecute you in this city, flee to the other, to another. For surely I say to you, you will not have gone through the cities of Israel before the Son of Man comes. In other words, there's always going to be a city for you to keep going to. Just keep going to another city. Until the Son of Man comes and you can stop. A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. In other words, do it like Jesus did. You're not above it. If Jesus left the city because they persecuted you, go on to the other one. Verse 25. It is enough for a disciple that he be like his teacher and a servant like his master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more will they call those of his household? Therefore, do not fear them, for there is nothing covered that will not be revealed and hidden that will not be known. So that verse gives us a whole lot of clues right there. But he says, it's enough for you. You don't have to surpass the teacher. You can just be like the teacher and you're good. That's all. But he says, don't, because of all this, don't fear them. Don't fear them. For there is nothing covered that will not be revealed and hidden that will not be known. You see, when God's light comes on the scene, it reveals stuff. These people in this synagogue, these synagogues, I should say, were hiding who they were, what they were, their intentions, their love for God. They covered it all up. 
They did not love God. They did not love His Word. They did not love the things of the kingdom. They did not love the work of the kingdom. But they presented themselves as if they did. And when Jesus came along and did the work of the kingdom, they hated Him. Didn't Jesus say, if you knew my Father, you would know that I do the works of my Father. Didn't He say that? See, they didn't know the Father. So they didn't know Jesus was doing those works. But if they knew Him, but you see, Jesus came in, He starts doing the work of the Father on the Sabbath healing people. What's that do? It revealed who they were. I am more concerned about what's done on the Sabbath than I am about your healing. See, Jesus comes on the scene and His spotlight is all over. And so, everything seemed to be fine in the synagogue until Jesus showed up. I mean, we all got along. Synagogue leaders would get up and they would teach some stuff. Hmm. Then Jesus comes along and suddenly everybody's mad. We're mad at each other. We're going to start beating some people in the synagogue. They want to kill Jesus. They want to plot to kill Jesus in the synagogue. Because Jesus revealed some things. This is what he's saying. Don't fear them, for there is nothing covered that will not be revealed and hidden that will not be known. I put this in your outline. I don't think I have too many blanks there. We got this one. God's truth is light, and it will always reveal what is hidden. Now, not everybody wants what is hidden to be revealed. So if you reveal it, guess what? You weren't supposed to look there. Why are you looking there? I didn't say to go there. Of course, with so little on the TV anymore, you know, we're recording some, some old Hallmark mystery shows. And so, um, I don't, I guess somehow we missed a lot of the, the episodes and didn't tune them in, didn't watch them, but that one gal, Aurora something. What kind of a last name is that? I mean, that is just the weirdest last name. I don't know any tea gardens. Never met one. But, uh, you know, we watch her a few times. And there's a couple other ones out there that are, they're, they're fun. They're, they're good. But you always know it. And it's always the girl. It's never the guy. It's always the girl. It's always Aurora or that baker lady, whatever her name was. Um, they're always, they get into the house of the killer. And that, can I use your restroom? How many know that's the line? That line means, can I go search your house for incriminating evidence? Would it be okay if I just take a few minutes to search your house without a warrant for incriminating evidence? And they smile. Oh yeah, go ahead. Go right ahead. Yeah. So they go on through and they, and they go and, and what do they do? They, they go, they go to the room that has the incriminating evidence and look around and find it. It's amazing. <laughs> Absolutely amazing. They find the incriminating evidence. They took what was hidden and brought it to light. And you know, sometimes when they bring it to light, the killer comes in and finds them 
discovering and well, now I have to kill you. And they were so nice and they were so sweet in the whole show and then all of a sudden they're mean and they got a gun. Why? Because something was revealed and their character came out. See, even the world, when they put together their movies, they know this is about, this was what happens. When things are revealed that people don't know, their character comes out. Who they are. They cannot cover it up anymore. But you see, when you serve God and things are revealed, your character is revealed to be the same as it was before. And the world hates that. Because it cannot understand how that can go on. Verse 27. Whatever I tell you in the dark, speak in the light. Whatever I tell you in the dark, speak in the light. And what you hear in the ear, preach on the housetop. This is what he's saying here. When you are by yourself in your prayer time, wherever it is that you are, I am going to speak something to you. I am going to tell you some things that you would not know otherwise. And when you hear them, when I speak them into your ear, when I, I tell them to you in the dark, I want you to speak them in the light. I want you to come out where all can hear it. I said it to you in your ear. Just you heard it. But I want you to say it on the rooftops. I want everyone to hear. Now, if you're saying what God spoke to you quietly in your ear that reveals what's going on and you speak it from the roof, what's going to happen? Some people are going to be mad with you. They're going to hog you before courts. They're going to beat you in the synagogues. And you will be hated by all men. If you want to see who's speaking these things, who is it that is hearing these things in the dark and speaking them in the light? Who is it? You're not going to like this answer. I'm going to tell you anyway. Who is it that hears these things in their ear and speaks them on the rooftop? You'll have no trouble finding them. Whoever the world hates is the one doing it. Not one, maybe there probably there should be multiple ones. Multiple people around. Whoever the world hates. Just look at the world and look at where their anger is directed. That will tell you that one is speaking what God has told them. You don't have to wonder. Yeah, but I don't like that one. And she speaks things. I don't know, she has that weird voice. I don't like it. When he speaks things, that don't matter. It's in the word, folks. Whatever I tell you in the dark, speak in the light. And what you hear in the ear, preach on the housetops. When you do this, people will be mad with you. Now, if people don't hate you enough, you haven't heard enough or said it. So just listen and speak it more and the hate will come. If you, how many people are bold enough to pray this? Father God, not enough people hate me. I need more people to hate me. So give me your word. I will preach it. I will speak it. Because if you do, they will hate you. They will target you. All manner of evil will come against you. I'll give you these three blanks. Whatever I tell you in the dark... This will be revelation. God is going to give you revelation. He's 
going to speak something to you. It might be revelation from His Word. It might be revelation into what's going on in your job. It might be revelation in what's going on in the world. It might be revelation in what's going on in your family. Revelation. He's going to speak revelation to you. He's going to reveal something that you would not know otherwise. After that, proclamation. You need to proclaim what it is that He said. Now, fasting and prayer get you to make sure that you heard the words of God and you didn't hear the words of your flesh. Because revelation can come and some people discern the revelation from their flesh as revelation from God. Fasting and prayer will help you discern that. Revelation, proclamation, third, persecution. Once you proclaim it, just know you've made yourself a target. You will be persecuted. Revelation, proclamation, persecution. Verse 28, do not fear those who kill the body. <laughs> can you hear that? Yes. Do not fear those. All they can do is kill you. That's what he's saying. Don't fear them. All they can do is kill you. That's it. They can't do anything else. Do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. They can't touch your soul. Cannot touch it. But rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. If you stay in fear of God, in that not that you're afraid that he's going to show, but Father God, I respect you. Above all other things, you are the one I respect or fear the most. Not afraid, but I respect fear. He says, are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin? And not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, him I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. You see, it's hard to confess before men who want to kill you, who hate you, who are angry with you, who say all manner of evil about you. But he says, no, you stand up there and you confess them. When you stand in that atmosphere and you confess... Me, I'll confess you before my father. When you get there, I'm going to say, I know this one. This one stood for us. This one stood for the kingdom. This one stood in the face of all kinds of opposition and did not back off of what we spoke to them. Oh, okay. Him I will also confess before my father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men... Him I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. Doesn't matter how, doesn't say how many times you went to church. How much of the Bible you read. What he's saying is, if the pressure of men can get you to deny Jesus Christ as Lord, or the things about the kingdom, then God says, I'll deny you. But you see, you started the denial process. He didn't start it, you did. Just don't deny him. Verse 34. Here's the fun verse. You ready for the fun verse? Do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. How many Christmas cards have you sent out? Peace on earth. <laughs> right? Prince of peace. Mighty God. Right? Haven't we sent these things out? Jesus just messed them all up. Do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace but a sword. 
Now that word, do not think, the word there for think means to have in common use, to use customarily. This is just the way that things are. Consider, regard, suppose, think or believe. Do not have as a common use, do not let it become customary that you think I came to bring peace. Can you be more clear? Now that word there for peace is the word that means peace, quietness, rest, oneness. He says, do not think that I came to bring peace, quietness, rest, or oneness. Well, of course not. He's just telling you, you're going to go out there to wolves, you're going to expose them for who they are, and they will get mad with you. Does this sound like a, the makings of peace? Absolutely not. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. The word there for sword, I wrote it in your outline for you. The word there for sword is makaira. The makaira is the word Paul uses when he talks about the sword of the Spirit. It is used to, de- to uh, define a Roman sword. It was before them as well. This word was in use before the Romans. This is not a word that was created for the Roman sword, but it is used to describe the Roman sword. Figuratively, this word means war, judicial punishment. Was he not just talking about judicial punishment? Or a sword. Thayer's breaks it down in this three ways it is used. This is from Thayer's. First off, the first way is a sword or a weapon. He came to bring a sword or a weapon. Second way, Governing authority's ability to punish. The governing authority's ability to punish. And was that not what he was just talking about? Third way is violence, dissension, or the disruption of peace. And that is not, not also what he was talking about. With the people who headed up the synagogue, what are they going to do? They're going to beat you. They're going to break up their meeting to go out there and beat you for a while. Violence, dissension, disruption of peace. What happened when Jesus came into the synagogue and healed somebody on the Sabbath? Disruption of peace. He said, I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father. Did you see that? I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be those of his own household. Now, why is Jesus saying this? Verse 37. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves, he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. What he's saying here is this. I have come to bring truth. If you accept that truth and you accept the light that I have for you, that will change you in such a way that if your family will not accept those changes in you, then I will have separated you from your family. That the only way you will have a oneness with your family is if you relinquish the truth that I gave you. But he says, that's what I did. 
Now, your family can accept this and be on the same side as you. But you're going to find some families won't do it. Some family members won't do it. And if you love the family member more than me, this is God speaking, and you relinquish the truth that I gave you for the purpose of oneness, for the purpose of peace, for the purpose of quietness, and you relinquish that truth, and we go back to the verses before, he who denies me before men I will deny before my Father. In other words, you've got to have such a love for God's truth that you will take people that you consider to be brothers and sisters or who actually are brothers and sisters. And even though they are angry at you because of the light that you have from the Word of God, you will not back down from what the Word of God said. And you will say to them, looking them in the face, I do not care if you hate me. I do not care if you write me off. I will serve my God. I will serve His truth. I will believe His light. And I will not tolerate what you have in you. Now, you can either get on board with God or you can forsake me because I will not walk away from Him. Now, have you ever been in a place to do that in your life? If you have and you did, And the previous verses go right in hand with you. He who confesses me before men, I will confess before my Father. But you see, you may be bold about people that you really don't care about. And the people that you don't really have a whole lot of love for. You may be bold and say, this is what the Word of God says. You don't like it, tough. But you got people that are close to you that are in your life, that are family, or you consider family. And if they rise up against that truth, you will relinquish that truth. You will walk away from that truth, or you will walk away from me. And you will say, I will walk away from you before I walk away from the truth of my word, of my God's God's word. I will walk away from you before I will ever walk away from him. I love him far more than I love. I love you. You're my family. But I love him far more. And I will never relinquish what I know to be God's truth to adapt to your world. Can you see that's what he's teaching you? Can you see that's what he's getting you ready for? He's not done yet, is he? Wow. We got to get moving on this. He who finds his life will lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake will find it. Oh, that's a good promise, isn't it? How many of you like to have that promise? We take that one verse, pull it out of its context, put it up on our refrigerator. And we say, he who finds life will, will lose it, but he who loses life for my sake will find it. Oh, that's so beautiful. Oh, Father, I thank you. That I have forsaken this life. And yet I won't confess him before my relatives. I won't stand up for the truth I know to be from God's word because of how my relatives or how my friends or how my people that are close to me will receive it. You see, you held on to your life instead of the one that he has for you. He who finds his life will lose it. 
He who loses his life for my sake will find it. He who receives you receives me. <laughs> See that? Amen. Well, they don't like me over there. Then they didn't receive God. And if you hold on to his truth. Now, you'll hold on to something that's not his truth. That's a different matter. That's why you've got to sharpen that spirit on the inside of you. Be able to discern. This is from God. I don't like it, but this is from God. This is from God. I like it. Because you can like some stuff from God. You may also not like some stuff from God. But you know in your spirit, this is from God. He receives you, receives me. He who receives me, receives him who sent me. He who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. <coughs> if you come with the word of God and they receive you with that, they get that, that kind of reward. If they reject you, then they don't get it. And he who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. And whoever gives one of these little ones a cup of cold water in my name, in the name of the disciple, assuredly I say to you, he shall by no means lose his reward. Now verse 38, let me read that to you again. He who does not take up his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. Some years ago, some of you may remember, we did a Good Friday service on this, about taking up your cross and what that is. A lot of people say, well, this is just my cross to bear. And that is not the case. A cross is a purpose from God. God said, this is what I need you to do. It's hard. It's difficult. And it'll push you to the very edge of what you think you can do. But I need you to bear it. I need you to take this. Because I need a man on earth to accomplish this purpose. Your cross is not some injury or some sickness or some crazy thing like that. It's a purpose that God gave you. But know this, God's word brings light. What was hidden will be exposed. And there will be trouble for those who expose and panic to cover it up again. This is what you will do when you walk into a place. You will expose what is hidden. Now this lifestyle is not all that, uh, this is not all that glamorous. You may walk into a family gathering, minding your own business. And then all of a sudden, God speaks something in your ear. Oh, dear Lord, I don't want to say that now. <sighs> Father, you know what will happen if I say that. Yes, he does. This whole chapter explained that to you. He knows exactly what will happen when you open your mouth and you say that. They will hate me from this moment on. Which one you are going to choose? Me or them? Mm. You will be in these situations. Unfortunately, folks, there's a whole lot of Christians who think they are strong Christians, they are on God's side, have been in these situations and have chosen to be quiet, to not say what God told them to say, to not speak up for the things of God, but chose peace and quietness. And Jesus said, I didn't come for the peace and quietness, I came for the sword. Because if you don't shine that light on what is going on, then these people are on their way to hell. John sixteen thirty three, words of Jesus. These things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. How many like that verse better? How many want to cross off Matthew, completely, just get rid of that whole chapter. Let's go with John. I like John better anyway. 
These things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. In the world you will have tribulation. If in this world you are not having tribulation for the things of God, maybe it is because you are not standing for the things of God like you think. The tribulation comes, and it's spoken of here. In the world you will have tribulation. The tribulation comes from this. I left you some room if you want to write this down. Tribulation comes from wolves. It comes from wolves in sheep's clothing. It comes from those who are deceived and refuse the truth. It comes from those who are false, posing as light. And those who are in darkness and wish to remain. Wolves, wolves in sheep's clothing, those who are deceived and refuse the truth, those who are false posing as light, and those who are in darkness and wish to stay there. If we are divided, make sure it is not a division stirred up by wolves, deceivers, and people of darkness. We have been warned Don't fall into the wrong kind of division. Be divided from what is false, but not from those pursuing God's truth, but just aren't as far along as maybe you are. Don't be divided from them. They're pursuing God's truth, but they haven't quite come into the maturity. They don't quite know the things to do, but they're pursuing God. You're in your spirit. See, in your spirit, you'll know them. In your spirit, Jesus said this, if you knew my father, you knew I was of him. I can look on somebody and say, no, they're not very mature yet. They haven't gotten rid of a whole lot of the bad stuff yet. But I know my father, he's in them. He's in them. Don't be divided from them. Don't be divided on matters that are not foundation, foundational to the gospel. I don't get divided with people because they don't be, believe in the tribulation period the way I do. Because you know what? When Jesus comes for his church, he comes for them all. He comes for you whether you believe in him or not. Whether you believed in the pre, post, or none at all. Doesn't matter what kind of rapture you believe in. When he comes, he's taking those that are his. So it doesn't matter. If that person wants to believe, I don't think there is a tribulation. That's fine. We can still fellowship. Because that's not a foundational matter. But there's some foundational matters. And if you differ on those, folks, I'm not even having fellowship with you. I'm not doing anything in that area. When When we have that as a problem. There's some things about the love of God. You separate on that. No, we're not having fellowship. Some things about the, the purity of what the Spirit of God speaks to us. I'm not having fellowship with people corrupt what God says and attribute things to God thus saith the Lord and God hasn't said that I'm not having fellowship with that I'm walking away that's false I will be divided from what is false and no one will pressure me to have unity with it because it's false 
did Paul have unity with what was false? How many false things did he call out? When Jesus walked in amongst the Pharisees, did he say, guys, we just need to get along? When John first saw the Pharisees coming up, what did he call them? Hey, brethren. Called them vipers. Hypocrites. Yeah, use that word too. That doesn't sound like somebody who's going after unity. Because I will not unite with what is false. Because if I unite with what is false, this is one of the things I was alluding at at the beginning. One of the things we got into in Ezekiel. We, we got into this. I was studying this. I gave you some stuff. Some of it was just fresh. I was just getting it. But I'll tell you what. I've meditated on it since then and, and, and pulled out some more. When you pull in what is false, you will not be able to receive what is true. I came out of one of the Ezekiel, one of the recent ones. If I accept what is false, it is impossible for what is true to get in me. Impossible. I go back to your Hallmark movies. How many times has the girl or the guy received false information about the girl or the guy they like? How many times that happened? They see something going on and it's false. Because of that false thing they believe, what happens to the relationship? The relationship shatters and anyone who comes and tells them differently from what they believe, it is rejected. How many times does that happen? Because that's what happens in real life. When I accept what is false, what is true will fall away. It cannot get in me until I release what is false. And on that particular night in Ezekiel, and it was one of the recent ones, I forget which one it was, it may have been the last one or the one before, I gave you, how can I tell? So this is what helped me out. Because I'm, I'm asking God this. Well, God, if I receive something false on the inside of me, how can I receive the truth? Because I've rejected. I w- as a, I'm pursuing God. I will reject it. And I've done it. I've had some stuff before that I, oh man, now I see the light in that. And I, I had that in me. I said, God, I need to know. How can I know if falseness is in me? And so God gave me a list of stuff. It's in that on Ezekiel lesson. You can go back there and get it. It's the one that I said you'll need extra paper for. I remember saying that. I said there's five things here at the end. Number three was the big one for me. Number three was when I just blew my, oh man. <laughs> just put my head down. And, uh. But you see, if you take what is false, you will be presented, prevented from getting what is true. Just go around. Look at those people who want to prophesy the clocks. How many know what I'm talking about? You got people out there who want to prophesy the clocks. Why? Because we're practicing. Right? You're practicing. I got to practice. I've got to prophesy to the chair. Chair, thus says the Lord. And they're practicing. I've, I have not been in the groups. I've heard people that have been in the groups. I mean, people that are close to me have been in the groups. I've seen people that have been in the groups that believe the, what these groups are saying. I know they're real. I know that they're out there. I will not go near them. But I know they're there. And if you try and tell that person, you cannot prophesy to a chair. Yes, I can. I just did it. Chair be alive. I don't know what they say to a What do you say to a chair? But they do. They prophesy to clocks. They prophesy to chairs to practice 
hearing the voice of God. If God doesn't have anything to say to the chair, what voice are you practicing listening to? Now, to me, that's an obvious conclusion. Not for them. You see, because if I accept wrong stuff, I don't have fellowship with them. I don't want fellowship with them. I'm not looking for unity. I'm looking for the purity of the gospel. You may not be perfect, Jack. That's fine. As long as you're pursuing the purity of the gospel, we can have fellowship. We'll have a, we'll have a good time with fellowship. Some of you may have been uh, privy to a little, little discourse between me and Noel on the Facebook stuff. And I want you to know that this is not the first time Noel and I have had a round around. <laughs> that, that was a little more passive because we were, um, uh, we were just, you know, writing to each other. But <laughs> it's kind of fun. But it was, was, he and I, for he and I, it's kind of fun. When we were in person, we've had some real heated discussions on some, some matters. We don't get mad at each other though. We just, we, we, he has firm beliefs on something. I have firm beliefs on something. And we went, we'll go at it. No, that's wrong, cause, <laughs> and we, we went at it, we had fun. And, um, you know, after we had all that discourse, that, uh, I called him up. I didn't get him. I left a message. Hey, Brother Noel, just call him chat. He called me back the next day. Actually, he texted me back. He says, hey, I'm busy today. And tell me what he was doing. He says, I can talk tomorrow. I said, I can't talk tomorrow. <laughs> so we're fine. <laughs> See, I love the truth. But I know we haven't all come to all the truth yet. You don't have to have all the truth in you for me to love you. But you've got to pursue it. You've got to have a love for that truth. I'll accept the things that are in you that are false as long as you're pursuing what is light. Otherwise, we'll never be able to help each other with what's false. Don't ever think, well, if you only knew what so-and-so believed. No, I probably know it. I love them anyway. It doesn't bother me. I am very difficult to offend. You can try it. I challenge you. Try and offend me. Go ahead. I mean it. Try and offend me. I am difficult. I'm not saying impossible. I'm just saying difficult. Fasting and prayer will get you to a place where these things won't bother you. You can express the truth, but you can still go out. Isn't it amazing how much Jesus was still in the midst of the Pharisees and the Sadducees ministering despite all that they did? Isn't it astounding how much Jesus did not avoid the meanings? Oh, wait a minute. If, we're, if they're going to be here, I'm out of here. He doesn't ever do it. Would you all stand up with me? We're trying to mix up some things here, change some things around. Kind of using this opportunity of having to restart the governor gave us. I'm going to take some of the praise reports. I'm going to take all the praise reports, and that's what we have here. And I am going to post them on Facebook unless you tell me otherwise. If you say don't post this on Facebook... But I just I want our, our folks to be able to get it and be able to hear it. But um, uh, not saying we're going to do this for forever. Just saying we're going to do it right now. I'm just going to I just want to uh, accomplish some purposes a little bit differently than what we've been doing. So I'm going to put them on up there. We'll have them have them typed in. If you put in a praise report and you don't want it up on Facebook, that's fine. Uh, let me know and uh, I'll see if there's another way I can get. It. I can text it out to people too and just just because we're a church crowd. But I want you all to hear what it is that they have to, to say on the press reports uh, while we're, we're going through some of these 
these things to do. Last week we were talking about emotions. This week we were talking about how persecution will, will find you. That if you're doing things the way God wants you to do, people will hate you. If you don't have enough people hating you, you're not doing things the way God wants you to. If you've got unity everywhere around, it's because you're not serving God the way you should. That's the way it is. How many times did Jesus say, when they, when they do it? He's pretty certain it's coming. I believe him. And we got a lot of turmoil around our country. We got a lot of people that are stirring things up, not because they care about the issue, but because they care about the chaos. I don't know who those people, I don't know that not everyone out there is, is generally mad about something. They may be generally mad. Some of them just want to stir up trouble, though, I'm pretty sure. And some of them are just looking at an opportunity to, to take some stuff that's not theirs. That may all be true. But the turmoil is hurting people. And it's taking some of the things that they have. And it's, uh, it's not God. When God's in something, we see the presence of God. Just make sure in everything that you do, don't have a hand in fanning the flame any of the unrest that the devil surely is stirring up. When you stand for the word of God on this issue or any other, there's a voice that's going to go off on the inside of you. It said, I know if I say this, people are going to get mad. You may even I know this one's going to get mad. I know this one's going to get mad. I know this one's... You may, it may go up right off in you. You are given a choice right there to choose those people or your God. I pray for each one of you that you're strong enough to stand for your God. I believe every single one of you is strong enough to stand for your God. But it doesn't stop me from praying for you that you would. Stand for your God. Stand for His truth. Stand for His light. When you bring the light of God into any situation, things will be exposed. Cockroaches will begin to run. They're afraid of the light. And they will do everything they can to snuff out the light that is in you. They will try and get you to the place that you will not proclaim the light. That you will be quiet with the light. Or that you will accept their substitute light. Because all they have to do is get a little bit of leaven in you. And a little bit of leaven will leaven the whole loaf. All we need is a little bit. If I can get your emotions so stirred up that you will accept this little bit, that's all I need is a little bit. Because if I can get a little bit of leaven in you, I can begin to get more. Don't let them do it. I pray for each one of you on this issue. Because I know how much the devil loves to stir this stuff up. I put up on the on our podcast, a Sunday morning podcast. I don't normally do this. How many saw my note about that? Anybody did not see my note about that? All right. It's up on the Facebook page. I put a note up. I hardly ever post anyone else's podcast on ours. But I downloaded the MP3, edited it for our service, put it up on our service so you don't have to go anywhere else but our podcast on Sunday morning, and it's there. Brother Keith Moore did something on the race, the race lie, he called it. I thought it was good. He's got a perspective. See, I know some things in the area of race I'm not qualified to talk about. 
I, I understand that. And I'm not bothered by it. I, I can't help, help that. He talks about some stuff. He saw some race issues in other countries where he was at. And it was, it was helpful for me to hear some of those things. But I thought he did a wonderful job with it. I can't force you to go out there and, and uh, listen to it, but I hope that you do. And so on the Sunday morning, you can download it in our podcast. There's a link to it on the Facebook page. You can just click the link and you can play it. I'm trying to make it as easy as, you, as possible. You can also just go right to his site if you already get his Sunday morning stuff and you can get it right from, from there. But you got enough ways to listen to it. It was, a, it was a good one to hit. But you have light in you. There's a whole lot of people out there running around these streets that have nothing but darkness on the inside of them. And understand this about your father as much as he loves you. He says, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. I know where I'm sending you. This is what he's, I'm paraphrasing this. I know where I'm sending you is dangerous. I know that there are people who want to hurt you. I know there are people who want to suppress what it is that you know to be the truth. I know that when you proclaim these words, they will beat you. They will hate you. They will separate from you. Families will be disrupted. I know this is coming. Do not think that because this comes, this is not of me. He's warned you. Just understand, if you stand for the truth of God's word, these things will happen. But then he gives us the end picture. But when we get to heaven and you're standing before the Father, Jesus is going to turn to the Father and he's going to say, yeah, it's at the waters. I know her. It's Orlando Rodriguez. I know him. That's Vanessa Porter. Yeah, I know. I know him. Oh, I don't want to get to that place. And he says, I'm not, I'm not sure I know this one. Stand for God's truth. Father, we dedicate ourselves to you. We know we are sheep, like sheep going out into a world of wolves. We know the darkness is all around us, but in us is the light. That light that is in us does not depend on any other source. It is the light that comes from you. We're going to look upon people who are filled with rage, filled with hate, filled with anger. They're going to do some things and say some things that will stir up our emotions. But Father, we commit that even if these things get to the place where father and mother and sister and brothers are divided, we will not separate from you. We will not leave your truth. We will not leave your word. We will not let division come between us and other brothers and sisters who love and care for you. For truly, they are our family. And just as Jesus was sitting in the synagogue teaching and the people came to him and said, your mother and your brothers, they're outside and they're calling you. Jesus said to him, who 
are my mother and my brothers. And he turned to those who were sitting listening to the word of God being taught, absorbing the wisdom of God. And he said, these, these are my mothers and brothers. The view of Jesus is that the people who love the word of God who worship God with all their heart. The people who serve our Lord Jesus continually. These are our family. Color of skin, race, nothing like that matters. What matters is that we love you. Father, I thank you for the love that we have for each other. No media, no evil, God-forsaken media will be able to spin the stories that cause us to be divided from each other. For we would have already divided from them. We divide ourselves from those things that are of Satan, that are not of God that are of the kingdom of darkness. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you for the opportunities we'll have this week to hear the things you whisper in our ear and to proclaim them from the rooftops. Then when we are alone at night, we hear things from you that the next day we are to proclaim. For we are your servants. Thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Glory to God. Don't forget your assignment. Be bold. Stand for the things of God. And love God more than anyone else in your life. And then He will stand for you. Be blessed. Bless the folks before you go today.